Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Tripping Up, a comedy travel podcast. I'm your host, Nina Clapperton. Here at Tripping Up, we're all about celebrating travel, even the less glamorous side. Join me every other week as I chat with a guest about their funny travel stories. Season one was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic. Unfortunately, that means the sound quality was impacted by recording over video calls. And in this episode, on top of everything else, my internet went so wonky and decided to give us very odd moments of feedback, which you might hear in the episode. You'll barely notice it, though, once you get sucked in by our very fascinating guest, Simon Casson. Simon is a Western historian and author adventurer, or as some may know him, the Sussex Indiana Jones. Simon is an expert on Butch, Sundance, The Wild Bunch, and Outlaw Trail which became very clear while we were talking. He kept throwing out dates and facts with an amazing speed. I was never big on history class. I mean, I prefer to learn in the wild, but I would have aced an exam on American Cowboys after our fascinating talk. Simon is an excellent horse rider. He's ridden deep into Utah's canyon lands, cowboyed on historic cattle ranges, and tracked Butch and Sundance across the Western America. He may be the first person since the bandits and lawmen of old to explore the West on horseback as extensively as he has. Simon worked with leading researchers, descendants, libraries, journalists, and genealogists in order to be the first to historically, accurately recreate Butch and Sundance's route through Mexico to Canada, where he rode in 1999. I've taken trips with literally a day's planning. Meanwhile, Simon spent seven years preparing for this six-month adventure. Now, Simon organizes unique private horse rides for adventurous travelers. If you're an Old West aficionado, you'll want to join one of Outlaw Trail's rides in the U.S., Mexico, Peru, Bolivia, Chile, and Argentina. I certainly know what I'm asking for for Christmas. I'm very excited to introduce you to him if you don't already know his work. This is Simon Casson on Tripping Up. Now boarding. Hi, Simon. Uh, welcome to Tripping Up Podcast. It's really great to have you here today. I know that these are trying times, so thank you for making time for us and having some time to chat about travel. 
Hey, Nina, it's really good to be um, along with you. And thanks so much for the invite. Thank you so much. So to introduce yourself to our listeners a bit, um, why don't you tell us about how you travel and why you travel? Yeah, I mean, lots of different hats on the travel. Um, of the later years with family, um, with my wife, and we like to travel to interesting places, cities like Verona and Rome, all the classic places to, to, to experience. Um, but before I got married, I, I used to love the big country of sort of Canada and the USA. And I was one that grew up on sort of road movies um, from the 60s and 70s. So I used to like the idea of jumping in a car, either on my own or with a friend, and we would hit the road. And in the back of our heads, you know, we'd have um, all the classic authors, um, like, uh, it's gone now, but the people that wrote, um, you know, Tortilla Flats, um, all of those classics, all centered around America and Canada. So we would just head out and travel and, 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 and get out and just experience the country, the national parks, and, and get a real feel for the outback of, of um, Canada and the USA. Uh, and I still have that in my heart today. Wow. Amazing. I mean, I think, yeah, North America lends itself very well to road tripping. Uh, oh, it's fascinating. I mean, both the countries have got everything. Um, Canada as well, you know, it's got its own cowboy culture. It's It's got everything there. And um, I'm just never bored there. I, I just love it. And in fact, the more remote and unusual, uh, the more interesting it becomes. And I think that's what travel's about. It's, it's for me, outside of the classic places, it's, it's about trying to find something a bit unique, a bit unusual. Yeah, I think that's really true. Yeah, it is. And, and to expect the unexpected. Oh, of course. And that's, that's very true in Canada. I mean, growing up here, we used to like run into moose on the highway that would just close it down for a couple hours. I think, yeah, there's a really exciting field in North America. And I think, I mean, to Europe, to me as well, since I didn't grow up there, but I'm sure it's different for you growing up in the UK. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, whenever we used to take a trip down to the West um, to see family in Cornwall, the adventure was always the drive. And my father always used to like good cars. All of those great movies from, from the 60s and 70s with McQueen and all the classics, um, it all comes back to you and plays back in your mind and you imagine yourself driving in certain places and doing certain things. And that's the, the, the great thing about the whole continent, you know, with, with North America and Canada and the USA combined. You're never bored. There's always something to do. And now we've chatted a bit about your travel history. Um, I wanted to know if there's any weird souvenirs that you've ever gotten or collected that you've held well, on to. <laughs> this is bizarre, but it's stones. <laughs> so there, there, there's something okay. that I found the other day. Um, that was picked up on one of my horse rides, I think, um, in the Robber's Roost country. These little things are actually from the ride. These are what we call stones. So that when you're on the back of a horse and you run out of water... You don't dry up with your throat. Oh, yeah. interesting. I didn't know about and that. And then when you go to classic places, because you like to look at all these things and you see films, you know, like Gladiator, you pick up a little bit of something from Pompeii. Ah, yes. <laughs> so I've got a bit of Vesuvius sort of here. Um, wow. But, um, hopefully the rest of it won't follow after our, um, our, <laughs> our, our, our time on here. Yeah, there's little things like that. And um some of the things that I've kept from many years ago, we, in Montana, we were not far away from a very famous outlaws um, stronghold uh, near the Canadian line, funnily enough. And we met a, met a young boy and he came out all dressed up in his cowboy stuff, which is very <laughs> fitting. 
and he gave me a, a just an ordinary coin, which was um, a dime or a nickel. Uh, and on yeah. there, you can see the horseman in 1999. And he said, that's wow. for you. Is you're riding through my 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 ranch and and I want you to have this as a lucky coin. So I've kept it all these years. That's amazing. Strange little things, but that's you know people pick up stuff from from their travels everywhere. Everyone's got their own little story, and they become kind of memory triggers for yeah. certain things. Do you display them anywhere, or do you keep them kind of tucked away for yourself? I just keep them in a box <laughs> because. Um, the danger of finding a little bourbon and moving things around uh, <laughs> at my age. Um, I mean, even using Zoom, I mean, you can become very forgetful. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I tend to keep things in, in one safe place now. Otherwise, it's um, it's a long weekend hunting stuff up. I mean, I'm, I'm only 25 and I, I have that exact same issue. So I don't think it's necessarily an age thing. Maybe it's a having outlaw ancestors thing, as we've discovered. <laughs> Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's brilliant, you know, and you, you suddenly think about the an, the ancestors on all the camps and, and you wonder how, you know, those guys would think about today. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the book, we talk about um, unfriendly banks and railroads and, and big city interests and stuff. And, you know, not much has changed, you know. Times change, but people don't. Yes, of course. So it is what it is. It's a bit harder now to ride into a bank on the back of a horse, <laughs> um, unless you're a very short person. Unless you have one of those, the mini, like the mini tiny horses that are popular with celebrities now, but then you're at risk of breaking it. <laughs> exactly. It's sort of folding it in half and then sort of breaking your jaw on the floor. Yeah. Um, there's interesting things happening um, around the subject matter um, of this stuff. Would you believe it's... Uh, the peak of these guys that we're talking about shortly was probably 121 years ago. But we're still unearthing fantastic new nuggets of information, learning about new things that made them do what they did. And if people could stomach a bit more history, I think the story would expand. Um, you know, it becomes very, very interesting under tremendous sort of difficult times in those times. When, uh, when land was being sold up and taken away from underneath people. Um, the, most of these guys were, were cowboys that were seeing their, their, their homesteads being foreclosed on. So, yeah, it becomes an interesting story. It's, it's slightly different from what Newman and Redford, Redford played in the movies. But I think it's interesting that the souvenirs that you've picked up are kind of similar to something that maybe a cowboy would pick up because, I mean, they couldn't have gotten a snow globe. They couldn't have gotten – I don't know why snow globes are always the example I use, but I think I had an obsession with them as a child or something that I repressed. But um, they couldn't pick those up, but they could pick up a stone. They could collect an interesting coin. So it's kind of you're really going back yeah. to your roots there. Absolutely, you know, and uh, it's a big country out there. And when you're on the back of a horse in certain areas doing things, um, you know, 21 years ago, we bumped into treasure seekers on the trail looking for certain robbery stashes and things. Um, Without good memory, uh, down in, I think, New Mexico, um, some guys found some uh, an original cache that was from another outlaw gang that was loosely associated with the Wild Bunch. You know, and there's still some stuff out there as well. Without a doubt, there is still gold out oh, there. Yeah, I mean, it's just like shipwrecks. So you never know what you never know what you're going to yeah. find. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and there's 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 a huge amount of that stuff as well. So um, yeah, there's there's still some some fascinating finds to come. 
who knows who's going to be the lucky boy or girl <laughs> to get it. It's, it's an interesting story. And there's some really good first-rate historians now that are uncovering a lot of very, very interesting yes. stuff. A lot of uncovered sort of history coming out. And some of it's a bit, a bit difficult to, to read as well. Not so nice, but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I think that's the really interesting thing about your book is that you bring the history kind of to the modern age by experiencing it yourself. And then it kind of does, I don't, not that it takes away from the grittiness, but it kind of softens it in a different way. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, depending on what people know about the history of the subject matter, these guys predominantly were robbing banks, payrolls and railroads of the people that were actually creating a huge amount of trouble for them and their families. Um, you know, the invasion wars, you know, where homesteads were shooed off of land under duress, pretty scary stuff, yeah. you know, to find your name on a blackball list and you have to ride for your life. And, um, yeah, you know, um, in fact, um, Butch Cassidy, whose real name is Robert Leroy Parker, his mother's side of the family came from Newcastle oh. in England. His father's were from Burnley. And in between that land is the border Eva country that our families yes. have yeah. come from. So there's a synergy there in those conditions as well of a shifting land base, big corporate interests foreclosing on people. And as I said, you know, people don't change um, and history has a, a habit of repeating itself. And these guys struck back at the banks and the magnates and they robbed those guys. Butch and Sundance probably had the longest careers of, of any bank robbing brigade, I think 21 years. Pretty good. Very impressive for any sort of career. Yeah. I mean, two continents, six countries, you know, thousands of miles just amazing really is um they traveled well they traveled yes. well so <laughs> i'm sure that they would have some amazing tripping up travel stories for us um but for now would you mind sharing with us your tripping up travel story? yeah i mean this is a crazy one um my wife and i uh, well before we got married um, we decided we'd go to texas so we flew in of course everything's bigger in texas <laughs> um we got into dallas fort worth had a bit of fun we stayed in in a couple of the famous hotels where the wild bunch had been around wow. seeing the sights in fort worth themselves stayed in the butch and sundance room in 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 the stockyards hotel wandered around all the places of, of historical interest um, and then we decided we'd go to San Antonio, which is another wild bunch town, as you, as you may know. Um, some of the guys were, that was the sporting place that they really liked to be. Um, very sort of Hispanic as well. So good influences. Um, and they used to go down to Hell's Half Acre down there, which is a really interesting district full of bars, casinos, all the good stuff, basically, where <laughs> today our modern tourists that like to drown themselves in alcohol and, and have gambling. I mean, it was Las Vegas sort of in its own way, but uh, with all the hog ranches and everything else. So we went down there, we did a bit of travel, and um, then we had to try and waitlist ourselves to get back because we, we were on a special ticket being staff. Okay. And there was a big problem. And all of a sudden, we couldn't get back on this flight. So we rushed down to the airport in San Antonio to wait list. And we tried to do the usual thing. Look, we're staff and you need to help us. And can we get on? And they said, come back in an hour. And we kept coming back in an hour and in an hour. And in the end, it got to the point where nobody made a decision. And we suddenly had to think, right, we've got to rent a car and then create our own road trip and drive like mad you know, back to, to Dallas and we left it too late, couldn't do that. And we had to do the unthinkable, which was take an overnight Greyhound bus. Oh. 
we had a guy behind us that um, with his guns in his holdall. There was another guy sort of opposite, sort of um, semi-clothed, you know, um, investigating various parts of his anatomy. Oh, goodness. Um, all good travel stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> and then we finally got into um, Dallas in the middle of nowhere in this Greyhound um, garage downtown. And because I'd been selling America professionally um, in the UK for about five years, I thought, you know what? I've seen this picture of this this particular strip of road, and I thought it rings a bell. Now, why mm. do I know this? And I suddenly thought, what else? What else is Dallas really known for, um, for the wrong reasons? And I thought, I wonder whether we're near this particular place, you know, where Kennedy was, you know. Oh yes, yeah had a problem uh, anyway we got to this particular hotel you know an empty hotel but we end up g- g- getting a special room right next to the noisiest family that don't want to sleep oh. so all night long all we could hear was the tv blaring through the wall um and people banging on our door banging on the walls shouting and screaming it was it was amazing and i thought you know it will get better in the morning which it did and um, hey, presto, I looked out the window and I thought, yes, we're right by Dealey Plaza here. We, we, we couldn't wait to check out. And um, we got out of that place and eventually um, managed to do a bit of touring around and, and saw a few of the sites uh, with the depository store and all the rest of it. And in the end, we then had to make a dash back to the airport and get our international flight home. But talk about stress. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, you know. Um, it was a nightmare and let me throw this in just before 9-11 came this was in the days where people weren't being checked on planes properly yes Um, stuff was sort of like you know no problem and we suddenly realised that um, we were missing some bags they'd already been loaded on the aeroplane without us and sent yeah and sent onwards to um DFW minus minus us. So it was like, wow, Uh, we don't do this in England. Um, But but obviously in America, you know, at that stage, you could you could you could bring a rifle on board. You know, yeah, honestly. Yeah, I've got a I've got a Bowie knife under my arm, you know, and and stuff. Oh, don't worry about it. The bloke down the end has has got far worse. Yeah. My wife was really shocked. She couldn't believe it. In fact, we still talk about that aspect of the trip today. But 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 the bus ride was was a little bit uh, was a little bit scary. Um, You know, hearing the click click of this guy, you know, playing around with his gun behind us. You know, the magazine going in and out. Oh God! You know, and and then the and then the rhetoric of he didn't like his neighbour, and he felt that at some stage, you know, there there was going to be this walk and then draw. (laughs) You know, we're we're coming nicely back into the story again here. Yeah. Um, uh, But as we know, most of these things in the old west didn't happen like that. People got shot, you know, from different angles. They didn't normally see what was going to happen. Yes. But yeah, that was a, that was a crazy story. Yeah, I mean, I, I've actually been to San Antonio a few years ago, and I found it crazy that like even now, open carry is so common that like if you go into a hotel or a restaurant, there's a little sign on the door that says like no firearms allowed. I was like, how? <laughs> how do we still need you to tell people this? So I can only imagine how like ridiculous it is to sit on a bus with that for hours. Yeah, it was really weird. I mean, it was just like a cross section of society, mm-hmm. and um, 
British people wouldn't normally associate themselves on a on a regular bus trip from one city to another with a guy checking with his guns behind. <laughs> another guy had a, had a, had a, had a knife on him and was doing this. They were all they were talking, you know, hunting, yeah. shooting, fishing, you know, problems with neighbours. Then we had the other guy, you know, that was obviously. Um, looking to be an anatomist starting with himself <laughs> uh, which was which was worrying yeah and um you know and of course at, at one stage um my wife had to get up and go to the bathroom and it was like <laughs> you know um or does she need to get up and go um yeah. j- just in case but it was just that element of bizarre but it's a good yeah. story yeah i think that's always a good way to like think about kind of nightmare travel moments is to turn them into a good story for later <laughs> Yeah, anything's possible in Texas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was it. I yeah. still love the state. You know, I still yeah. think it's a it's a great fun place, especially down on the border country. That's that's yes. really where it's at. You know, and then you start talking about the, the the films like No Country for Old Men and Bring Me the Head of Alberto Garcia and stuff like that, and then you're back onto the road trips again. So it it all comes round. Yes. You know? <laughs> well, I think that yeah, Texas definitely seems like the epitome of your like travel ideals in the u.s especially with yeah your love of cowboys i think it's really must be very fun to get to go and then live it for a little while yeah i mean it's hard i mean before i did the ride i did seven years of research um i visited numerous families that were were ranching in the old way particularly in certain land tracks where the outlaws based themselves so you know name dropping some famous places that many people would recognize from the old wild west like robber's roost in utah Mm -hmm. the hole in the wall in uh in uh, central wyoming uh, and browns park in the corner of northwest colorado but the Wild Bunch timeline that we talk about, um, which is sort of um, Butch and Sundance and their guys, Kid Curry, um, the Tall Texan, these guys, their history really started in 1889 mm-hmm. and finished in America in around about probably 1904. The last horseback robbery or, uh, or train robbery was done in 1912. That was done by one of Butch and Sundance's compadres in Sanderson, Texas. They they met a, a horrific end, those two. They got murdered by um, one of the uh, express messengers and um, he basically hit both of them over the back of the head with an ice mallet. Oh, God. So uh, that's a Canadian way of getting rid of people, <laughs> I'm led to believe. It, I believe it, it. If you can't. If you can't beat them on ice hockey, beat them with an ice an ice mallet. <laughs> One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So, yeah, you know, I mean, again, that part of history is, is true. These mm. guys were doing a, doing a job um, there and uh, they got it all wrong, you know, yes. and... Um, It's weird. It's just weird. The history is just fascinating. It really is. And I think it's also interesting. I mean, growing up, obviously, as a girl, I think our perception of cowboys and horses are very different than male perceptions. Because, like, I grew up, um, my family had a farm in Guelph, uh, or which is outside of Guelph in Ontario. And I grew up absolutely loving horses. So, we would ride, but we would ride English. And then um, for people that don't know, there's country, Western and English riding. And I remember like all I wanted to do was ride Western and be one of like the cowboys and go to the Calgary Stampede. And, but just to see it and to experience it. And I actually kind of lived my dream a few years ago. Um, I moved to Croatia and was working on a ranch in the middle of nowhere. Like absolutely could not tell you the name of the city. It doesn't even have a name on a map, um, which was really entertaining. But we were working on this really small horse farm with about uh, two dozen horses or so. And it had was in this really old um, a Serbian family who was living in Croatia, run down our job. There were three English girls, one um, Tunisian man, and our job was to run the entire thing together. And to try and figure out how to do that well. So unfortunately, um, nothing was built properly at all. So every paddock for the horses had a fallen log, had something where they could get out. So we developed kind of a nightly routine where after dinner, I'd be having dinner with my friends. We would, we were living inside the barn that one of the horses lived in, um, or one of the, the summer barn where the horses lived in. And we would kind of clean up dinner, wait about half an hour and then Safi the Tunisian man would come screeching down on his motorbike because the horses had gotten out again and then they would just take off into the countryside yeah we would pile onto like this tiny little motorbike there'd be three of us hanging off the side of it um hop into a really old pickup truck where of course there wasn't any room in the actual body of the truck so we're sitting in the back with nothing to hold on to. My parents are going to be horrified when they hear this story. And we would just off-road in the pickup truck down through the mountains, down through the ravines and herd the horses with the pickup truck, which felt, it felt very much like I was living my Western fantasy until we had to then get out. And I, I don't know why I never learned, but I always wore flip-flops. I never put on boots. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it happened so many times. I finally learned after this one time. Um, but I, we had to gather a few of them. Safi had got the majority kind of herded with the truck, but there were always the few stragglers that thought like, ah, oh, no, we've outsmarted these strange English women and we're going to take off and go through the field and find our own way. And so we had to go grab them. They had halters, but no leads. So you had to kind of run around and try to catch these horses and then walk them home. 
but to walk them home, you had to walk them down a highway. Yeah. <laughs> so every night there was this trail of like these three young women holding a myriad of halters and leads and everyone else had proper shoes on, but there was always me in the back with my flip-flops for no reason at all. And this one time, one of the horses had started to realize that if he could sandwich me between the other one, between the two of them, maybe they could get rid of me. So they started slowly like closing in. And when they realized I wasn't going anywhere, I would just shove them back. They, I don't know how they realized this, but they realized they could catch my flip-flops. So they started like sidestepping until one of them managed to catch his hoof on it and then just tore my flip-flop off my foot. Oh my God. And yeah, so this is again, middle of nowhere, Croatia. So this highway is all gravel. So I have no options. I have one flip-flop, three horses in my hand. I just got to keep going. Nightmare. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it re- like, it was a horrifying moment where I was like limping along this highway. Cars are speeding past. They started slow. They realized who the hell are these women doing this? What is happening? And we became kind of the nightly sideshow for this little town. Um, but yeah, happy ending. Horses all got put away just fine. Um, I stopped wearing flip-flops after that. Absolutely. Wore the actual shoes I should have been wearing, the riding boots. Um, and yeah, didn't make that mistake again. <laughs> no, and of course it's it's a dangerous thing because, you know, one of the things right the way through anybody that still works with horses today, even from the times that we're alluding to. Yes. Um, if, if a man was left afoot, the book is is a true, honest reflection of what two men felt riding for five and a half, nearly six months of, of, of their lives on the toughest part of America's outback, following the most successful Western outlaws of all time in bank robbery terms and longevity. Yeah. You know, we had broken ribs, broken toes. I mean, I had to, I had to mount a horse for days on end with a broken left foot. Um, After a while, I then wore out a pair of cowboy boots. I had to break in a new pair that were a size and a half too small for me on the same foot. All of that kind of crazy stuff. And that's the thing about travel. Depending on what you pick, what your interests are, where you go and how you do it, you never know what you're going to find. Mm -hmm. And and, and that's that's the really inspiring element of, of travel yeah but I'd, I'd 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 fancied sort of reliving their adventure really and just seeing whether anybody could ride these trails and do it and that's how it all came about yeah but it's a hard trip i wouldn't recommend it <laughs> it's not difficult all you need to do is buy the book and you can take the best bits <laughs> there you go you won't wear your feet out you know uh, following my footsteps yeah, you've done it so no one else has to <laughs> Exactly, yeah. and and it's true. And, you know, it's 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 uh, an un, it's an it's a no bars holding um, account, and it's fun. I've got yeah. funnily enough, somebody contacted me and said that they were going to try and do the ride that I did. Um, you know, and I thought, well, good luck. <laughs> but some of the land tracks now in America have have, have have been shut. So technically, to do the trip that we did and faithfully follow all the right places and go from one place to another can't be done. You wow. can't get into certain parts of national parks, especially down in the Canyonlands in Utah. That's been closed off for horse travel. Wow. So uh, we, had, we had a permit in 1999 that we were lucky to get because we were on a, at that time it was a centennial ride. Okay. It was 1999 versus um, 1899. And at the same time, we had the 30 year anniversary of the Goldman film. 
So it was kind of interesting. We had a bit of dispensation from ranch owners and land and all the rest of it. And some of the ranches in Montana and, and Wyoming now are owned by big oil companies and you just can't get can't get into yeah, them. Yeah, of course. So it was kind of a lucky trip as well. We felt privileged. I love this track that we're going down, but I'm going to have to steer us back. And I'm going to ask you to read the listener mail that I sent you. It was the summer of high school music too. And I was 10 years old and about to go on a brilliant family holiday. The itinerary included Las Vegas and the Grand Canyon, followed by a week relaxing in Palm Springs, California. And being a kid from a mining village in the arse end of nowhere, this trip was well anticipated. (laughs) Of course. But what my parents didn't anticipate was jet lag or how badly me and my brother would be affected. And after a 15-hour flight, we arrived in Las Vegas, cruising down the strip on a sweaty bus full of sweaty tourists. It was heat like I'd never felt before. The next day, we headed back to the airport to catch a plane to the Grand Canyon. I don't know what my mum was expecting, but she was not happy that we were all crammed into a 10-person plane that she could push with a big toe. I was sure I was going to die on that plane. The turbulence was so bad, I didn't see the Hoover Dam because my head was in a paper bag. And the rest of the day went like this. Sweat, trying cornbread for the first time, throwing up, losing my tote bag and camera on a bus and sweating some more. Sounds delightful. <laughs> after, a f- after a few days in Vegas, we headed to Palm Springs for the rest of our holiday. That whole area is just beautiful and there were hummingbirds everywhere. But I was clearly not over the worst of jet lag in this world as proven when we went on the aerial tramway. All was well until the way back down. And you know how in America a large drink means uh, a bucket full of Coke. <laughs> yep, that's true. Well, I was clutching, uh, exactly, and I was clutching one of those the whole way down, and by the time we got to the bottom, it was full. Oh, dear. Overall, that holiday was brilliant, and I'm so grateful that my parents could take us there. But just don't think my parents are grateful that they gave birth to two puke machines. <laughs> I hope this one isn't too quick. I left out the bit where my brother puked in a shag pile carpet, and my mum stayed up all night scrubbing it out. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds horrific. And that was from Imogen. Thank you, Imogen. Thank you, Imogen. Oh, my goodness. The image of the shag carpet is going to haunt me forever. Well, we had a shag pile carpet. And um, as everybody knows, it's not easy getting stuff out of a shag pile carpet mm-hmm. that shouldn't be in a shag pile carpet. I've loved chatting with you about all this amazing travel. And I think that's really important to remind our listeners is that even when things trip up or go a little bit wrong or you end up filling a coke size container uh, full of puke that travel's still really fun and exciting so we like to end our show with a travel triumph or a positive some kind of great travel memory or something you're looking forward to yeah i mean there's lots of travel memories but i think looking forward i mean one of the things i did last year on a, on a really un, unusual trip was to head down to uganda oh wow i'd never i'd never been to africa and a chap that i used to walk my dog with uh was very very friendly um with a ugandan man that owned a big land tract and he donated this land um for a rhino sanctuary oh, amazing and it's the only one of its kind uh, in Uganda called the Zebra Ranch, uh, another ranch, yep. <laughs> a cattle ranch as well. Still can't get away from these horses. No, never. <laughs> and a few wild animals. And uh, yeah, I went down. And again, fascinating. You know, it's, it's great fun, you know, looking at the wild animals in the zoos and, uh, and all the rest of it. 
And you probably find that actually Texas has got more tigers and and and, and lions and India and and, and Africa combined. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, um, the the possible um, fun element out of this travel was there may have been a chance for me to go down there and and, and work down there and try and help develop uh, a new safari camp. Wow. So that that was something I was looking forward to. And uh, we went out and we we did a little bit of following Ernest Hemingway, as you know, as a a famous American writer. Mm -hmm. And we went to Murchison Falls and did a few of the things that that he did and drunk a few things as well. (laughs) But we we didn't fill up any buckets. That's good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Got pretty close to, to, to... the Lions, very, very close, in fact. And uh, yeah, Africa is another ball game that I like to touch. And I, I think it kind of bit me the same way as Canada yeah. and America did in 1979 when I first went there. So for the future, I think um, I'm going to get back to Africa. I'm going to head down to South America and, and have a little look at Butch and Sundance's trip down there. And what I'd say to anybody else is do what you need to do because you can have a whole lot of fun doing it mm-hmm. and it might give you a new twist in your life going forward, especially if you're young and you want to travel and have some fun in your, in your twenties, yeah. maybe after a university or something, get out and, and go and travel and see something and, and head out into the remote places, into the interesting places, because, you know, every five-star hotel in every, in every city or beach resort is pretty much the same as everywhere else. But yeah. You hit the back country. You just don't know what you're going to get. Exactly. And, you know, no controlled men, (laughs) but I'm still going. Well, I think it's important that um, I know in Canada, we have this like perception that you're not supposed to travel until you're retired. So you can travel a bit, but taking years off and gap years aren't as big in Canada as they are in the UK. They're, they're getting there. Um, But I actually took a year, I took two years in the end off um, after my undergrad and it was life changing, like best thing I've ever done. And you're so right that like, the countries that I went to, like, I mean, I love London, so I did go to London, but the cities that were like Prague, it's fine, but it's, it's the same as a lot of other places. But when I went to this middle of nowhere in Croatia, I got to like, we went to a barn party with a ton of old men who played the accordion for us and taught us how to sing old Croatian songs. And like these lovely women served us homemade food and like just it's a very different kind of travel that I think everyone should experience. I think so. I think country is country mm-hmm. and you get out and you go to these places like you did in, in Croatia. You've got your cowboys out there, the same as you've got in many, many places. Oh, around yes. the world. Um, but you just go out and, and, and do what you need to do. And um, it's inspiring travel. That's the thing. Yes. It, it's good for the soul. And you're following in the footsteps of all the great writers and travelers Plenty of time to flop around in in five star resorts, but you know when you're young, you 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 you've just got that extra window of time that you can build in. You can you can be selfish and say, you know what, I'm going to take two years off and I'm going to do a little bit of box ticking. Yeah, here. exactly. You know, and you just don't know. You're going to have such a great time and uh, and do that and and hunt up the interesting people, look at the interesting trips, and and get and 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 get to follow those sort of guys because you know the world's shrinking, and uh, in some places, you know, as we know, even in the lower forty-eight, you you can't travel freely now. So yeah, take your chances. And keep a fast horse waiting. (laughs) Great advice. Thank you so much for joining us, Simon. This has been amazing. Pleasure. Nice to see you all. Take care. Thank you very much indeed. All the best. You as well.
Attention passengers, we've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day. Didn't I tell you Simon was filled with amazing facts? I have to admit, I felt even more ridiculous for having worn flip-flops while herding horses when he told me about his broken toe. I mean, I knew better and telling a horse expert about such a stupid mistake had me seriously red-faced. I love that Simon followed his boyhood love of Western movies to embark on his own cowboy adventure. To learn more about Simon's epic journey through the Western states, check out Riding the Outlaw Trail. The book shows that there's still plenty of wild left in the West. Inspired by Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Simon ventured off with Richard Amson to ride the trail of their boyhood heroes. They ride 2,000 miles through America's most treacherous terrain, crossing deserts, mountains, canyons, and the high plains of the Old West. Pushed to their limit, the men recount the dramatic tale of their adventure in this page-turner. The book shows Simon's romantic, adventurous side, gives accounts of the original outlaws, and tells of his ex-army partner's no-nonsense sensibilities. The three narratives coexist in a remarkable balance that makes you desperate to keep reading. The book has even inspired others to ride the trails, although, as Simon said, many parts are no longer accessible. So to truly experience the ride, you'll have to read Riding the Outlaw Trail by Simon Casson. Simon's historical commitment is still alive. He continues to update the book with new historical information. Help Simon achieve his goal of publishing a new edition with even more history and photographs by purchasing a copy. Riding the Outlaw Trail is available on iBooks in the UK or wherever fine books are sold near you. I actually had to cut our chat down to fit the length of the podcast. Simon regaled me with incredible facts about his favorite topic, cowboys, for almost an hour. I was so fascinated I couldn't ask him to stop. If you're interested in hearing even more from Simon, check out our Patreon, linked in the description, where I'll be posting the extended version of our interview. For a small donation that won't require robbing any banks on a horseback or otherwise, you'll get exclusive access to additional episodes and a shout-out in our monthly Patreon roundup. Donations help keep the podcast alive and filled with amazing guests like Simon Casson. Thank you for joining me for another great episode of Tripping Up. Cheers! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.